You didn't lose it sometime over the last 30 years. Maybe you take better care of things when your you know, best you know you friend's future daughter time travels <laughs> to your childhood. <laughs> Welcome to Girls Gone Hallmark, a Hallmark Review Podcast. I'm Megan, and I'm a longtime Hallmark movie fan. I'm Wendy. I'm a former Hallmark hater. We are back with another review and recap of The Way Home. Today we're discussing Season 2, Episode 4, Wake Me Up When September Ends, which originally aired on the Hallmark Channel on Sunday, February 18th, 2024. Come hang out with us when the podcast is over. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us at Girls Gone Hallmark, and at Megan and Wendy. Come on over and join us in our Girls Gone Hallmark Facebook group. I think if you're looking for a community to talk about Hallmark movies, talk about The Way Home, this is the group for you. And if you love talking pop culture and life in general, we'd love to have you join our Patreon community. You can get an absolutely free week at patreon.com slash Megan and Wendy. There's a brand new episode there every week. There's some not at all Hallmark pop culture talk coming up in next week's episode that if you are a Netflix Love is Blind listener, you're not going to want to (laughs) miss. Let's jump into this episode. As mentioned, the episode is titled Wake Me Up When September Ends, which is a Green Day song from 2004. Yeah, I don't don't like that song. (laughs) No? I used to love Green Day, but like first album Green Day. After that, I could never really like get into them. I don't know. I just I don't like the song, but I get how it relates to the episode. So summer has come and passed. The innocent can never last. Well done, Jen Pikin. Once again, the director is Shamim Sharif. She did also direct episode three. This is one of her 13 directing credits. Um, She directs lots of television. And let's hear a synopsis for this episode. Okay. Let me just say that the synopsis on IMDb was so long. So I did copy and paste and use AI to summarize it. So who knows what what we're going to get. (laughs) Brady visits Port Haven and offers to assist Dell with her land issues by examining the lease she had with Hank, which was later transferred to Sam when he bought the property. Meanwhile, Alice experiences a time travel journey to a significant moment in her parents' past, coinciding with a global event. Despite initial confusion, Alice comforts a distressed teen Elliot who wishes to change their agreement about revealing his future. In the present, Elliot renegotiates his pact with Kat concerning her time travel as Kat fears for Jacob's safety in 1814 where she believes he would have been mentioned in the town's history according to what she knows from Susanna and Elijah. There is a lot going on in this episode. No, the synopsis is not bad. Well done, AI. Um, I'm trying to remember from season one. I know Elliot doesn't want to know a lot about his future, but he knows that he's not Alice's dad. Right. Does she never tell him, yes, my mom marries Brady? I, I recall. That's so funny you mentioned that because as I'm watching this episode, I remember a conversation where where – between Alice and Elliot, and he was like, oh, Brady's your dad. Mm. 
I swear that happened. But I was kind of confused by all of that, too, in this episode about Elliot's wanting to know and then not wanting to know. Like, of, of course he knows they got engaged. Well, Elliot of the past and Elliot of the present are both a little wishy-washy in this episode to me. Mm. Um, but we'll get to it. I think I think we should start with Alice because the episode kicks off with Alice. Sure. And it kicks off with an incredibly creepy nightmare scene. Right? In my notes I wrote, this is truly frightening. <laughs> this nightmare is truly frightening. It starts off happy. She's at her dinner table with the Landrys. We know that it's something's not quite right because she's been gone for a while. If she had been gone for a while, both Colton and Jacob would be gone, but they're both there. Everybody's happy. And then Jacob looks at her and says, I'm drowning. And that gives me chills <laughs> even to repeat. That was there so scary. are multiple Alice in Wonderland references in this moment. Obviously, things go hazy, watery, if you will. And when she wakes up, we see that through the looking glasses next to her. So to me, I had two thoughts. One, she fell asleep while reading it and it infused itself into her dream. Or two, someone's trying to get a message to Alice. Ooh, but how? Who is getting a message to Alice? I don't Who? know. Who? I think that's wrong. I don't, I think she's just... Life is complicated right now. There's a lot of unknowns, and that's how her brain is processing it through the lens of through the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that was so creepy, though. What are you waiting for, Alice? Ooh. Maybe out of order, but should we just stick with Alice's through line? Sure. Um, Alice does go back again. And when she arrives in Port Haven, she meets Elliot, and we learn that it is October 2001. And this is an interesting disconnect because September 11th has just happened. Elliot, as a person who lived through that, is traumatized. Alice is not a person who ever lived through this. Alice was right. born in a post-9-11 world and can't fully fathom the effect that this had on the country and the world because they're in Canada and even Canada is reeling from this attack. I think that's a really interesting perspective to look at our youth, our teenagers, our young adults as people who were born post 9-11 and not, obviously there's a historical touch point for every generation. And it is odd to think that that's not a memory that is of my children, except in history. Through history. Yeah. 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 It's weird. It's kind of odd to me because I wouldn't say odd. Elliot is like pushing Alice away. He's almost mean to her. He's like, oh, I forgot you're just a kid because he's like a 19-year-old university student now. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't possibly understand. Like, dude, she time travels via pond. She can probably understand a little bit more than you're giving her credit for. Like she's lived two lifetimes. Yeah, but truly like he's still a kid. You know what I mean? Yes, but he has that, which I think happens to a lot of teenagers. Like, you graduate college, you go to high school, there's a very strong dividing line between, like, oh, that was my childhood, and now I am an adult. I know yeah. things. So, you know, what is funny about this, and I only realized it on my second rewatch, was that, like, Elliot is now older, but Alice stays the same yeah. age. Yeah, yeah weird right and i think they all must have been older than she was to begin with because they were going into their senior year in high school 
And Alice is only 15 when she starts time traveling. Mm -hmm. So they were already older than her. And now he has aged faster than she has. Of course, he looks exactly the same. Yeah. Through a discussion of like life in the present and life in the past, we realize that Brady is about to propose to Kat. And Elliot's in a real tough spot because he just, he just never, he's not, hasn't moved on. (laughs) They, Kat's gone. He has not found his own people He still comes home to the barn. He lives at home. He has not found his people at college. This just makes me sad for him. He's just still pining for Kat. I know. It's real sad, right? It is really sad. And later in the episode, she was like, I didn't realize, like, you always loved her, that that never stopped. Yeah, but he ended up getting married to somebody. Yeah. So it was funny because his reaction when she said, like, oh, you've loved your whole life. And he's like, not my whole life. Yeah. You know, (laughs) he did eventually, like, move on. But it is weird that he's kind of like this relic of the Landry farm. You know, everybody else is gone except for Del and Elliot, who's not even a part of their family. It's a sad situation. It is a sad situation. Alice does travel back again to make it just in time to witness the proposal that her parents had told her about in the present day. And y'all, this is the cringiest proposal I've ever seen. Thank you so much for saying that. (laughs) When Brady says it's a flash mob, I was like, first of all, there are three people there. There is no mob. (laughs) And you sang, no, let the music play, sir. Yeah, that was embarrassing, right? I would have been embarrassed if I was cat too. A 19-year-old, I would not want my, like, 19-year-old boyfriend doing that. Nope, 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 nope. And my two random friends, Nick and Monica. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Elliot is there as photographer. He does not take a single photo during the actual proposal. He's just standing off to the side looking awkward. And Alice watches through the window. Through the looking glass. Oh, look at Ooh. you. But a looking glass is a mirror. But okay. fair enough. I don't know. I didn't read the book. Yeah. You don't need to have read the book. <laughs> <laughs> what? How would I have known that a looking glass? Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the second cringiest moment to me actually happens after the proposal falls apart when Nick sees Alice through the window. I got to be honest, I did not want these two to reconnect. Because it's super creepy because we know he's an adult and he's a super creep as an adult. Yes. And she's so happy to see him. And they run off to the docks and have their sweet moment where she then witnesses the actual proposal. I got to be honest, I'm not buying that Kat's like so in love with Brady. Uh, Yeah, I don't think so either. She's like, you're all I have. Okay, but... That's a red flag to me because she's been through some serious trauma. Her brother went missing. Her father died. Life with her mother is not great. He does give a nicer, less cringy proposal. Mm-hmm. But again, they're 19. Yeah. And then Elliot does take a photo, which includes Nick and Alice hiding in the boat in the background, which is so bizarre. <laughs> I have to wonder if this come back and bite us in the ass but that is not a photo obviously that brady or cat have ever seen because brady says oh well our photographer fell down on the job we don't have any photos of the night you know what is really funny is there is no way that this kid has the forethought to be like i'm gonna save these photos in a in a file on my computer which itself is a relic too right because 
you know, going forward, like you really like, kind of lose computer files and stuff as those uh, uh-huh. machines age out. <laughs> it's like he still has it. He's now he has like a hard copy of it, of course, but like it's just weird. Like you really held on to that. You didn't lose it sometime over the last 30 years. Maybe you take better care of things when your you know, best you know you friend's future daughter time travels <laughs> to your childhood. Maybe. I have to hold on, put it in a special folder on the computer and do not delete. Back that up to the non-existent cloud. I'm closing Alice's loop. Alice does sing at the point's first open mic night. Yes. This was one of my favorite scenes. I like it when Alice sings. I find it to be not at all cringy like when her childhood father sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a beautiful voice. We do get glimpses in this moment. Noah's there. She had like a brief interaction with cute boy crush Noah earlier in the episode, but just more keeping him in the narrative. Nothing's really going on there. And Casey Goodwin is there. And I saw a lot of people reading into Alice's facial expressions when she sees Casey. Oh, really? Uh, Saying Alice seemed very put off by having them there. Like WTF? Like, what are you doing here? That, yes. And honestly, that did not resonate for me. Casey smiles at Alice. Alice looks at Casey. And then her expression does kind of go neutral, but she's about to start singing. So mm-hmm. I think that's all there is to it. I was not reading what some of the online commenters were reading into that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. I did read an absolutely wild theory on Reddit that someone said, what if Casey Goodwin is not a Goodwin at all, but is in fact the future child of Kat and Elliot? And <laughs> if you want to go completely off wait. the rails, hop into Kat, the way home Reddit community. <laughs> I know, seriously. But future child of Kat and Elliot, like they're going to have a baby at some point that is then time traveling from the future. I don't I don't actually buy that. I believe that Casey is a good one and that they are there to bring this good one story full circle. We're not there yet. Something's going to happen at that house that we don't know about yet. Okay. Here is... When I was watching this episode, in this scene, I noticed on Alice's guitar, there's a huge yellow sticker that says coils. Yes. C-O-Y-L-E apostrophe S. And at first it didn't it didn't resonate with me, but then I went on to Reddit and I was reading Reddit. And then somebody said something about Thomas Coyle. And I was like, wait a minute, Thomas is Thomas, the one who shot Cat, right? Yes. He's a coil. And then I was like, that's weird. What does coil have to do in 2024, present day 2024? Mm-hmm. And how is that related to this sticker? That is no coincidence. Agree. More questions. More questions. But nobody's like, I like, I shared it on the Facebook. I shared it, a picture of it and read it. Nobody's like really like said anything about it. But I was like, it has to be significant. Yeah, it's huge, and it's very visible when she's playing. It's not like you had to look hard to see it. So I 100% agree with you that it means something that we don't know anything about yet. All right. Who's next? I would like to get the Dell storyline out of the way. So boring. I'm sorry, but go ahead. The whole base of the storyline, they're trying to keep Brady kind of relevant. Like, he's here. He's got to have something to do. Brady and Dell are oddly buddy-buddy in a way that 
I'm just surprised by. But he's like, Dell, I'm going to figure out this lease. And Dell has not asked him to do that. Dell doesn't even seem to care about this lease. And even once it's resolved, Dell's like, yeah, I, I don't actually want this resolution. But he goes in, guns blazing, big time lawyer. And Sam comes in and clowns him. Really? That was so funny. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm an attorney too. And also I'm licensed in this country. And I did read the lease. And sure, I'll honor it. Brady gets clowned twice in this episode. He and Elliot have a moment at the point that I wish I could have written down. I certainly remember it. Elliot says to Brady, how long are you going to be in town for? He says something like a week or so. And Elliot goes, oh, it must be nice to have that vacation. And then oh, yes, Brady says to Elliot, says the teacher... Yes. Ouch. I mean, I was like, savage. These two hate each other, man. Still, right? I think they're beating around the bush with what this land means too much. It really is just a vehicle to me for Dell and Sam to flirt a little bit. The compromise they arrive at is that Dell is going to board the horse for Sam while he's renovating his barn and he's going to pay her. Don't care. His way of (laughs) making up for the fact that she's losing money on the land lease. Look, there's something going on with the land. They're taking too long to get there. I still think there's something going on with the horse. They're taking too long to get here. Dell is in limbo. And I just, I I need some, I need to know what matters here. Does the soil matter? Is there something weird about this land lease that matters? Or are we all just so desperate for information that we're reading so much yeah. Into what's happening. Yeah, maybe. They're like, hey, suckers, <laughs> this means nothing, but we're going to throw it at yeah. you. Yeah, follow this red herring down yeah. the Reddit rabbit hole. Exactly. And it's time to talk about Kat. Yes, ma'am. Kat and Elliot seem to throw their original pact out the window. This back and forth is killing me here. It's too much. Pick a side. Yeah, totally. Um, And Elliot not only decides... Does he want Kat to tell him his information? But now he wants her to go back in time. There's two key pieces of information that are shared here. She shows him the photo of the portrait. And she talks about the fact that Jacob's not listed in the almanac. And Elliot reveals that his father had a lot of old ships manifest. And perhaps Jacob, his name will be found there. But he doesn't like go dig him out. We know there's no resolution. It's just like, oh, maybe we can find that. And then he's like, you got to go back. You got to go back. After all this time, stop time traveling. You got to go back. You have to figure it out. And so she does. Now, here's the thing. I don't think Jacob's name is going to be on these manifests because I think Jacob is not on a warship. He is time traveling somewhere. Mm. That is a theory that I had not considered and I like it. I mean, it it's the only thing that explains like him being gone for a long period of time. Yes. And I think Susanna seems super unfazed. I know we're going to talk about it next, but I think she is super unfazed by learning about the pond because totally. maybe she already knows. Yeah. So Kat does go back to 1814 and she witnesses an argument between Thomas Coyle and Cyrus Goodwin. It's just very clear that Thomas Coyle is a bad guy here. Yeah, I think he's stealing from Goodwin and Goodwin can't prove it yet, but he will. And yeah, and in what seems like a change of character, Susanna saves Kat in this moment. At the end of their last interaction, Susanna was very mistrusting of Kat, and now she rescues her so she doesn't get caught, takes her back to the general store, and there's reveal after reveal in this moment that they both just handle super calmly. You mentioned, Kat tells her, like, yeah, I've time traveled via the pond, and Susanna's like, yeah, that tracks. 
<laughs> totally. This to me was like the best scene of the whole episode. Mm-hmm. I thought, and I thought it was the most significant too. I just, you know, we're like learned a lot about Susanna. We learned a lot about Jacob and where when Jacob showed up there. And like I said, I think Susanna looks super unfazed by the news that she learns about Cat in the Pond. Yeah. And Cat mentions that there's no scar. She has no mark. And she kind of implies that Susanna's a witch. And Susanna calls herself a healer. Mm-hmm. But she says that she sees magic in Port Haven and that Jacob could see it too. So I guess. For someone who considers themselves a non-witch healer person, maybe it is not all that insane that somebody traveled via pond. And obviously, Susanna has come to the conclusion that whether she knew or assumed that Jacob didn't just wander into their town, that he arrived through some other otherworldly means. Mm-hmm. This whole scene really had me thinking because the entire, like, premise is that the pond will take you where you need to go right Mm. why did the pond take jacob to the 1800s why did he need to go there if he didn't need to go there the pond wouldn't have taken him there so what is his being there why is it relevant i don't i mean these are big questions of the world today we're really deep in the questions phase so much information not a lot resolved right um Before we jump to our unsolved mysteries, you want to talk moments we liked in this episode? Sure. Like I said, the first, I just mentioned it, this whole scene between Kat and Susanna, I thought was really good. I just, I was like, give me something, like Mm -hmm. throw me a bone. And they did in this episode, in this particular scene. I also really enjoyed like the beef between Brady and Elliot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just think it's amusing. And I also enjoyed Brady kind of like, like you said, like he's a clown, right? We're really seeing who he is. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks he's like this big wig lawyer guy. And he's just Brady. Those are the three things I liked about this episode. Tell me yours. I agree that Brady's a clown, but I do think he's actually an okay parent. And I like the scene where he gives Kat's engagement to Alice because, mm-hmm. although I do think it's a little like just handing her the ring and it not being anything is an odd choice. But she says, but dad this is your love story and he says you're our love story i think that's very sweet i think that's i do i liked that moment i also liked the moment between cat and elliot where cat has now realized that alice is still time traveling oh yes and she she doesn't have any memory of alice visiting at any point after colton's funeral And she says, oh, that means she's there when, and we're led to believe it's the incident at the Goodwin home. Kat's very nervous about it, and she says she's never going to forgive me or she's going to hate me. And Elliot says, oh, you'll get through it, because obviously Elliot knows. Well, it was funny because he also gave Kat the same advice that Alice gave him. He said, knowing the two of you, you'll get through it. Yeah, look at that. Mm Mm-hmm. However, what do you think it is? What is your theory? What's going to happen there that Alice potentially could be mad at Kat for? I honestly have no... It seems like it has to be really, really bad. But Kat's not going to murder somebody. Is she going to kiss Elliot? I don't understand. (laughs) That's what I thought, too. I was like, is she going to see her kissing Elliot or something like that? And, like, who cares? Like, I think Alice could be like, oh, okay. Like, it's not devastating. Alice sees the whole picture. She understands that... Obviously, they had this very close friendship, and they were young. Uh, I 
don't know. It certainly did pique my interest. Yeah. I guess we'll have to wait and see. All right. Is that all you liked, my dear? Yes. All right. Unsolved Mysteries. Let's look at your list, your ongoing list. Well, we have no new answers. The horse, I just wrote in caps, the horse. I still, I still believe there's something else going on with the horse. Okay. We know nothing about who was in the bushes during the fireworks scene. Mm-hmm. We know nothing new about the cat portrait. The only new information we have about the Lingamore Estate event is that Alice is there for it. At least mm-hmm. she witnesses it. We know nothing about the soil. Dell has apparently completely forgotten about whatever big conversation she was going to have with Kat. <gasps> yes. Give Dell something to do. She's not doing anything. And maybe we're going to get these flashback moments where we realize that something really is going on with Dell. But right now, Dell isn't doing much. Yeah. We have not found anything behind the stones in the fireplace. I would like to talk about this unsolved mystery that is from a preview. Oh, you're going to have to go into it because I watched Unfriendly and it cut the preview off. And then when I rewatched on Peacock, it doesn't show previews. So, yes. So I originally watched on Hallmark Movies Now. In the preview, there is a scene where Kat turns around. They're at some sort of festival. It is very clearly present day because if it's paused, everybody is dressed in present day clothing. And she turns around and she sees standing behind her Thomas Coyle. And everyone's like, what is he doing there? Here's what I think. Cat's having a vision. Because if you look at Thomas Coyle, he's in full 1814 gear, including a giant old-timey gun hanging from his hip. (laughs) So unless they're at some sort of frontier day and he's in costume, which I'm willing to accept could happen, I think she thinks she sees him and then it adjusts and it's just somebody who looks like him. She's just afraid of him. Okay, here's what I... I'm putting together. I think it's a Founders Day festival. And then that would make sense that they are he's in costume, th- that he's in costume. And now I'm trying to remember, w- did Jacob go missing during the Founders Day festival? I don't know if it was which festival it was. He went missing in the fall. Remember, because yeah. there was pumpkins and stuff. Yeah. Um, And we are in. Oc- oh, present day. I don't know what what time frame we're in. It's summer. Unless we oh, you're, fast forward you're a little bit. Right. You're right. It is summer. Okay. Regardless, I think it's the they're at like a Founders Day thing. So it would make sense if Thomas Coyle's there and like cosplay, you know, whatever. But maybe she, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. There's also a scene in the preview where he's in the pond, like bathing oh, in the pond, talking ew. to her. Uh-huh. And so Perhaps he does time travel. I do not know. But that is another unsolved mystery. Is Thomas Coyle in present day? Mm-hmm. Did we oh. find... Oh, what, what if he's going to take his gun back from Kat's office at the newspaper? Well, see, that's complicated because he's wearing his gun. Yeah, maybe he's already taken it. Move on to did we find Jacob? And obviously... We're still at a maybe. We do see in the preview that there is a ship returning in the next episode, and I have zero faith that Jacob is going to come off that ship. Kat is there at the ship's arrival. We see in the preview. I I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Yeah, that would make way too much sense. He's not going to come off that it's, ship. It's I'm telling you, he's, he's time traveling somewhere. He's not on that ship. Well, let's talk Pike and does it again. All right. She actually just shared, she shared yesterday on her Instagram a thank you to... The band Five for Fighting, and I guess the songwriter, his name's John. I can't remember his last name right now. I'm sorry. 
for helping make the entire, the two scenes happen Hmm. in this episode. One, of course, we see the 9-11 benefit concert. And honestly, like seeing that stuff again took me to a sad place. Mm -hmm. The band Five for Fighting was playing the song Superman for that benefit concert. And I guess the lead singer, John, helped get like that clip that they could use within the show, which is really cool. Yeah, very cool that they got the actual moment. Instead of just hearing it in the background, mm-hmm. we're actually seeing it on the TV again. Yeah, it was, ooh, it gives me, it makes me feel weird thinking about that time. And then, of course, we have Alice who sang her version of that song at the end of the episode. She has a lovely voice. She really does. Lovely. Real good. But I think that's the only song that was used in this episode. Oh, I take that back. We have to mention Brady's Rendition of Come What May from Moulin Rouge. Oh, gosh. Which was a song from the movie Moulin Rouge that came out in May 2001. Yikes. It was rough. It was so weird, right? So out of character for him. I didn't like it. And I I just felt like it was under-executed. <laughs> it was... Oh, Ouch. It's kind of wild that they had talked it up so much, like they had told the story over and over, and Alice had believed it to be like this amazing thing, but Kat didn't even say yes in that moment. Why did they lie about it all these years? Yeah, because it's not that great of a love story to be like, your dad proposed, and I thought it was the cringiest thing I'd ever seen, and so I ran away, and he had to propose again to get me to say yes. I guess that's not the greatest story to tell your children. Yeah, I guess not. I guess not. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Girls Gone Hallmark. If you want to talk all your way home theories, jump into our Facebook group. And hey, if you love this podcast, we absolutely love your five-star ratings and reviews. You can leave them in the podcast app of your choice. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.